We're going to continue in our series on 2 Timothy 1.7. Remember what 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we looked at a spirit of power last week. We talked about how uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Paul hits each of those topics and he connects them together with sort of segue passages. Uh, 12, power, 13, love, 14, sound mind. Uh, so we're on love. Today's, it's all about the love. You ready? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I want to end with the segue verse, or I'm sorry, begin with the, the end of chapter 12, the segue verse. Uh, in chapter 12, we were talking about power, we are talking about spiritual gifts. And Paul ends in the last verse, in verse 31, with, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And so I don't want to in any way diminish the pursuit of spiritual gifts. That means strongly desire spiritual gifts, really want spiritual gifts. Let's make that clear. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, leap tall buildings. We want all that uh, right here, okay? Except for maybe the leaping tall buildings. We don't have a big enough ceiling. Um, strongly desire gifts, but we have to understand love is superior to gifting. And that's not Tony, that's the Bible. In fact, in chapter 13, it's not just about love, it's about contrasting love with spiritual gifts. Again, knowing we want spiritual gifts. We are a church that believes in spiritual gifts. But Paul takes a whole chapter to talk about how love is more excellent, more better than spiritual gifts. Amen? So, strongly desire spiritual gifts, but love is superior. Let me remind you, in John 13, we went through John not too long ago, um, we, in the New Testament, received exactly one new commandment. Do you remember what that one was? No, that's the old one. The old one was love your neighbor as yourself. Love, yeah, now the new one is a new commandment I've given to you. It's John 13. Uh, love others as I have loved you. So Jesus says, in the Old Testament, you had to love like you. In the New Testament, you got to love like me. Loving like Jesus is harder than loving like Tony, right? And so he took it up a notch. And so this is the only new commandment. But he goes on in verse 35, and this is what I want you to get. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, uh, love is what identifies his followers. You may think it's uh, the right doctrine, and that's good. We need to have the right doctrine. You may think it's you know the right outfit or where you are on Sunday morning. But clearly, Jesus thinks love is the one thing that identifies his followers. And not just love, the ability to love like him. We know we're supposed to imitate Jesus. But Jesus is primarily saying, Imitate my love, not just, uh, you know, me in general. Love like I love, right? How many of you find that challenging? Okay, good. Well, I expected more hands. You guys are really good at loving people. I find it challenging, uh, even in church. No one, no one here, of course, just understand that. I'm never, 
not talking about anybody here, probably, it, it, right now, anyway, <laughs> sort of. Anyway, uh, so here's what I want you to see, that uh, he's clearly saying that love is superior, and I've come to believe, uh, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and of course, we just saw in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit, we talked about that last week, and uh, it's not like uh, we're supposed to do both. It's not like, uh, you know, you do the gifts of the Spirit, I'll do the fruit of the Spirit kind of thing, like we get a choice. Uh, we're supposed to do both. They're all from the Spirit. But I've come to believe that the fruit of the Spirit in general is superior to the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, um, I, again, I want you out there, let's, I mean, I think healing the sick, just like Jesus did, gets people attention, gets people saved. But what really grounded people in Him was His love. I'm saying the fruit of the Spirit, actually in evangelism and things like that, it is more effective than the gifts of the Spirit. If you look at the, the quizzes, the, the, the surveys that they've done on how and when people got saved, you'll find that uh, something like between 80 and 90% of Christians became Christians because of a significant relationship with another Christian, not just because they heard a good teaching or they saw a miracle. Now, those are helpful, but... Uh, it's mostly relational. I'm telling you, we got to get how big a deal the love thing is because that's how people get saved. It's way more uh, powerful than the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and I, again, I want to remind you that both are a manifestation of the Spirit of power. We said last week that we're supposed to manifest the Spirit of power. The gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are both of the Spirit. So they're a manifestation of the power of the Spirit of God. Got it? All right, so we're ready for 1 Corinthians 13 now. Let's look at the first three verses. And again, in the context of him comparing uh, love and the gifts of the Spirit. You'll notice he mentions several gifts of the Spirit in these first three verses. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. How many of you find clanging cymbals annoying? All right, so uh, let's just insert that. If I speak really well, but I don't love people, I'm just annoying. Fair enough? Okay, probably don't need to say anymore. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains, that's pretty impressive. But have not love, I am nothing. Ouch. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, this is fairly strong language. Uh, the point I have in your notes, if you weren't following along, says, the gifts are worthless without the motivation of love. Any questions? They're just worthless. As awesome as the gifts of God are, and he lists some awesome ones here, Paul is saying these are absolutely useless and worthless and count for nothing if they aren't motivated by love. So love is the impetus. It's as if the gifts aren't the goal. It's as if love's the goal, and the gifts are just a vehicle to love people. Maybe something to that. All right, so we'll jump right on to the next part, verses 4 through 7, where we get God's definition of love. Now, you can believe love is love and whatever, you can have any definition of love you want, but God gives us one in the Bible, and we should pay attention to that, right? And so here it is, verses 4 through 7. Um, now, 
Uh, I usually use New King James, but I have it in your notes in NIV because I feel like the NIV is just a little clearer here, but I'll probably switch back and forth. Uh, anyway, I'll read it out of the NIV. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's pretty impressive. That's how you guys love, right? Yeah. Why are we laughing? Because, wow, that's hard. Well, I want to come back to those and look at each one a little bit in particular in a minute. But the first thing I want you to get is uh, immediately we read that and we go, ooh, man, (laughs) not sure I'm loving like that. And we apply it to us. The first thing I want you to do is apply it to God. Does anyone here think God is saying, I want you to love this way? I really don't, but I want you to love more than I do. No. So that means clearly this is how God loves us. This is how God loves you. It would probably, and I'm not going to do it now, it would probably be worth your while to go home, get out verses 4 through 7, spend some time meditating on it just from the standpoint of this is how God loves me. God is patient with me. God is kind to me. And uh, just getting that in you. Why? It is really important that we believe and experience his love. Hear me again. It's important that we believe his love and that we experience his love. Again, this is just natural. Uh, is it okay if, uh, if I ask your kids, hey, do your parents love you? Yes, I believe they love me. Have you experienced that? Well, no, but I believe they love me. Is that going to be a satisfying answer for you parents? No, you want them to experience your love. It's important. It's important that we believe and experience his love. And here's why. His love or the revelation of his love is what activates the power of God. Let me show you this in Scripture. That prayer, we touched on this prayer last week in Ephesians 3. We looked at verse 20. I want to look at verse 17 through 19. Paul is praying that we may know the width and length and depth and height of his love, that we be rooted and grounded in love, that we know the width and length and depth and height of his love, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. That sounds like the power, doesn't it? What is, so the, that we may be filled with the power, with the fullness, with the full expression of God is prefaced on a revelation of the width and length and depth and height of his love. Somehow, a revelation of his love activates his power. Because now, we're not just using the gifts so that we look cool, we're using the gifts motivated by the love that we've seen from God. Does this make sense? So, it's really important that we get that this is how God loves us because it's what activates power. In Galatians 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 6, he talks about faith working through love. Faith works through love, right? Now, we need faith to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, don't we? Y'all like this? Yes. Yeah. We need faith to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Faith works through love. Here's a thought. When we look around the church and we go, man, the church just, you know, I'm reading the New Testament, the church just isn't as powerful as it needs to be. And often we conclude the church has a faith problem. If we just believe more, we would see more happen. What if we're wrong? What if it's not a faith issue? What if it's really a love issue? 
Because faith works through love. What if we have plenty of faith and not enough love? Could that be the problem? Yeah. Is this making sense? What's greater, faith or love? Before you answer it, look at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these abide, faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. Clearly, love is greater than faith. Isn't that wild? You ever think about that? Love is greater. Love is more powerful than faith. We need faith. But faith works through love. So maybe it's a love issue. So again, uh, I'm just saying it would be worth our while to meditate on this passage as a way God loves us. We need to pursue uh, an experiential revelation of the love of God. That's why I love worship. It's a great opportunity for us to experience the love of God. Amen? All right. You need that not just for you. You need that to be effective in your gifts and calling for others. Now, here's where I really wanted to camp today. Uh, his love must be learned. His love must be learned. It doesn't just, I love that the fruit of the Spirit, that God, that God changes us on the inside. But who got saved and just loved like Jesus the next day? Anyone? Yeah, maybe, maybe for a couple minutes. Yeah, because the gifts... Uh, don't come fully mature like we talked about. We have to learn to love. And, and I really want to spend some time on this learning to love thing. And that segue verse at the beginning of First uh, Corinthians 14, Paul says, pursue love, right? It's something that must be pursued. We have to chase after learning to love. Now, not for God. God just is love. He just loves. That's just what comes out of him. We have to pursue it. We have to learn how to love like Jesus. So a lot of that has to do with making decisions. Here's what I want you to see. Here's how you learn to love, all right? Uh, let's go back to that list. Uh, love is patient. Is that a feeling or an action? It's an action. Can you decide to be patient? Yeah, you can, can't you? Any of you have kids have done that. You've decided, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to kill this child. <laughs> right? Love is kind. You ready for this? This is going to impress you. Are you ready? There have been people who are being actively annoying right in front of me, right towards me, and I decided not to say the things that were in my head, but to... <laughs> but to be kind to them. Can you do that? I did that. You know what? That counts. That's love. I decided to love that person. I didn't feel a whole lot of love for them at that moment. Again, remember, there's no one in this room. It's always somebody else, somewhere else. You can decide to love people in the midst of them being as unloving as they can be. It's a decision you can make. And what you'll find is the feelings will follow. The more you do it, the more we decide to do these things, the more we learn to love. The more it becomes second nature. It becomes habit. 
We retrain the way we think. And make no mistake, I'm going to go through this whole list here kind of briefly. Every one of these things, none of these things are feelings. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. That's a good something to, you know, remember for those of you who are married. Love is not a feeling. Feelings will come and go. Love is a decision. And feelings will follow good decisions. So, uh, all of these, in verse 4 through 7, are things we can decide to do. Not feelings that we have or don't have. And when we don't have them, we pray that we will have them. We just decide. You can decide to love. You can decide to forgive. You can decide to be patient, to be kind. Love does not envy. I can decide not to do that. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. A lot of love is just deciding to honor others, right? It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. That's a decision, isn't it? It keeps no record of wrongs. Ooh. Shall I read that one again? Love keeps no record of wrongs. So if you were thinking about talking to me about something I said last week, you can't now. <laughs> right? Keeps no record of wrongs. Isn't it nice that God keeps no record of wrongs? Amen. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Now, we do this more than we realize. I'm going to illustrate why. Uh, it sounds like we watch a lot of TV because Rachel talked about watching Blue Buds earlier, but we don't actually. But during dinner, we like to put a show on. And uh, so we're watching this, this uh, CIA, FBI spy-ish show, right? You guys dig those? So there's, that, there's an assassin couple in this show. And uh, the, the guy, is kind of, he's, he's evil, but he's kind of a chill evil, you know? Uh, the woman assassin, however, his partner, she's like bug-eye scary evil. Uh, and, and, and you just, you know, and, and we're getting, you know, Rachel's getting tired. And she's, she, Rachel expresses she's a little tired of this character. That, that, that I've had about enough of this lady. And I say, uh, because it's not my first spy show, don't worry, babe. She'll get hers. At some point, it's coming. <laughs> right? They're going to kill her probably in the next couple episodes because the guy's already gotten his. He got killed. And I'm kind of looking forward to her getting hers. And Rachel says, I don't want her to get killed. I want her to get born again. <laughs> sort of ruined my expectations. <laughs> right? But I'm like, well, okay. It does sound more godly. Uh, all right, I'll join Team Rachel. I'll root for her to get born again. Uh, it did not happen. Uh, she got tossed off a tower while she was trying to shoot other people and, and went splat. Uh, but I didn't rejoice in it because now I'm on Team Rachel and I was wondering to get saved. Right? Now, that's just a show and God probably doesn't care and uh, the actress might already know Jesus. We don't know. Uh, she might not be bug-eye crazy in real life. But I, I was totally prepared to rejoice in evil. And here's what I mean by that. Her dying is still a win for the devil, isn't it? Uh, and there is a human tendency in us to love when people who annoy us get theirs. 
or when evil people get theirs. And how much higher to want them to know Jesus, to pray for them. Uh, God, uh, God even says in Proverbs 24, don't rejoice when your enemy falls or stumbles. God will see it, it will displease him, and he'll remove his wrath. In other words, God's in the middle of judging someone who's evil, sees me being happy about it, and goes, oh, this is bad for Tony. That is what it means to not rejoice in evil, but rejoice in the truth. That's hard for me to not, you know, I don't know, those of you who are into politics, and you all want them to get there, whoever you're there are. <laughs> when Scripture clearly tells us to pray for those who are in authority over us. This is a love issue. I'm having trouble loving some of our politicians. And yet, yeah, and yet, uh, God expects me to love them. Not rejoice in evil, rejoice in the truth. So I got to want them to get saved. So that's what I'm praying. Are you with me? So we do these things. Uh, love always protects. Uh, probably the New King James there is bears with. So love just, you know, love will keep going with you. All right? Uh, love always trusts. Or again, the New King James is better there, believes. Uh, how much more does it take for me to believe in someone? Uh, man, this is the twelfth time they've done this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep believing that they can be who God called them to be. I'm gonna keep speaking into them their destiny in God. That's love. Love always hopes, always perseveres. Right? You getting a feel for this? Challenging, isn't it? And yet, that's the command, not suggestion. Command. Love others as I have loved you. So. Uh, what I'm talking about is we can make a decision to love. We don't have to just be subject to our feelings. Um, and really, if you don't really want to memorize the list, it, it basically comes down to honor. Philippians 2, 3, uh, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness to mind, let each esteem or honor others above himself. It's just deciding no matter how much of a jerk this person is, uh, they're a human being who God made, and I'm going to try and honor them. I'm going to make a decision to honor them right? So this is what we're called to, to love like this. Now, we contrast that with our feelings. And I told you, uh, feelings will follow. If we make right decisions, feelings will follow. Do you, you notice feelings are terrible leaders? Terrible leaders. If you get led by your feelings, bad actions will follow, right? That's why we have to decide to take right actions and our feelings will follow. We're all going to have feelings. Feelings are real. Feelings are valid. Feelings are terrible leaders. In fact, the world right now is working hard because the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. You ever wonder why the world is crazy? That's why. It's under the sway of the wicked one. And the wicked one wants us to be backwards. And so the world is telling us, you must validate feelings. You must validate other people's feelings. You must validate feelings even when their feelings change. So the, today you validate this feeling, tomorrow you validate a different feeling. Those of you who've raised kids know how that ends. Right? That <laughs> was very enthusiastic about that one. All right. So the world is telling us to validate feelings. The Bible tells us to validate truth. And so we have to do that. And uh, I don't know if you remember, it was a little over a year ago, I did a four-part teaching on spiritual warfare. So if you go online, you go back to past teachings, you can find it. 
I'm not going to reteach it, but what I said there was that uh, spiritual warfare is actually mostly about us ruling over our own thoughts and emotions. It's about us learning to rule our feelings, not have our feelings rule us. It's a sign of maturity. So you can go listen to that if you feel like you need that. Um, anyway, what I really wanted to get out of that section is we can learn to love because these are things we can decide to do. We can decide to practice. And it's kind of the same as uh, you know, dieting or going to the gym. You make a decision. You complain, but you do it, right? And then you go to breakfast after. That's how I do it. First Corinthians 13, 8 through 9. Let's go on to the next section here, okay? He goes on. He talks about uh, gifts are nothing without love. He talks about what love is. And then uh, verses, where am I at? 8 and 9. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Now, a simple point here. Uh, what he's saying is that gifts, in this contrast, can fail, and at some point will cease. We're going to see in the next verses that when some of these gifts will cease is when Jesus comes and we no longer need them. Jesus is the perfect. You may have been told the perfect is something else. It's pretty clearly Jesus because we see face to face. The perfect needs to have a face, and that would be Jesus. So he's the perfect one. Now, so gifts can fail. One of the ways they fail is if we uh, function in our gifts without love, right? We just saw that in the first three verses. Gifts will cease. Love is always its own success because it is the goal. So let's say, for example, you're functioning in your gift and it's a fail. You're praying for somebody to be healed, they don't get healed. All right? That gift failed. That gift didn't get it done that day. But if you love them, it's a win because love was the goal, not your gift. The gift is a tool to love. As long as you're loving, love never fails right? So you just keep going. You just keep loving this person. We just keep moving on. We just keep loving them with Jesus in the best we can with our gifts. Love is always its own success because love is, in fact, the goal. Now, we know from John 4 that God is love. We know from Colossians 1 that we have been translated I'm sorry, we've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love, right? God is love all the time, can't be anything else. 100,000 years from now, He'll still be love. His kingdom is founded on love. It's all about love. 100,000 years from now, His kingdom will still be love-driven. Love is eternal. The point of that is, that Paul's trying to make here, which we're going to see in the next couple of verses, is that we might as well learn to love now so that we'll eventually fit into his kingdom. How many of you are planning on living forever in the kingdom of God? Which is founded on love, run by a God who is love. Do you understand why it's so important that we learn to love? We're being trained to live in his kingdom. And we can do that now. So this is the understanding that we go into these last couple verses with, 1 Corinthians 13, 10 through 12. Let's look at these. He says, but, that, but when that which is perfect is come, that's Jesus, 
the one we're in verse 12 that we see face to face. Now we see him dimly in a mirror through the scriptures. Uh, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And remember he's talking about we know in part, we prophesy in part. The gifts are in part. There's something to help us until we have an actual Jesus on the earth. All right. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. This is talking about growing up and becoming mature, right? For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then, when the perfect has come, face to face. Now, I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. We're going to know Jesus in a more intimate way when he's on the earth with us than we do now, even though we can know him very intimately now, all right? This is what Paul is expressing. Here's what I want you to get. From this, what he's basically saying is that we are learning to love until he comes and we are perfected in love. That's how we're perfected. Remember, we're called to the imitation of Jesus, who is love. So, what's the one thing we should be most imitating? Love. Yeah, and it's easy to miss as a church. We'll imitate all other kinds of things. Um, but uh, this is. The one thing he told us, the one commandment he gave us. We are learning to love until he comes, and we are perfected in love. I want to jump over to 1 John 3 because we see the same thing. And I love, I love John. I love the apostle John. He's my favorite apostle. I like a lot of the apostles. Uh, it's not like I dislike the others. Uh, I just dig John. So uh, one of the things I like, if you remember, James and John were the sons of thunder. Uh, Early on during Jesus' ministry, they were fully prepared to call down lightning from heaven, consume a small village in Samaria, moms, dads, kids, everybody, because they had dissed Jesus, right? And that's the way the sons of thunder roll. Bam. Know what I'm saying? Thunder. You read 1 John, what's the theme? He cannot stop talking about love. He, he just is gushing about the love of God for five chapters, right? Something happened. He learned how to love. The son of thunder, who was ready to call down fire from heaven, uh, and again, uh, you know, some of you are out there. There's some sons and daughters of thunder, aren't there? Learn how to love. All right? Now, he, it's the, clearly the theme of 1 John, the whole, of all five chapters. It's where we get God is love. Uh, we don't love, we don't know God, all those things. Uh, but I want to look at the first three verses in chapter 3. He starts with, he goes, he, he's just gazing on the love of God. He goes, isn't it amazing, God's love, that he's loved us so much that he calls us children of God? Doesn't it blow your mind that he loves you enough that he let you be in his family, even knowing you and how you were? Isn't it astounding, the love of God, that we've been accepted in the beloved, right? That's how he starts. In the next part of that passage, he says, now, we're children now. We don't know what we're going to be, but we know we're going to be like him when we see him, when he appears on the earth, when he comes. John's very excited that we're going to be like him. How do you think John is thinking we're going to be like him? Just shiny? Yeah, bam, in love. What's he talking about? What's he been talking about through the whole book? John's going, isn't it amazing 
God's love for us, that he would let us be sons, you know when he appears, we're going to love like that. I don't know what we're going to be, but we're going to be like him. We're going to be able to love like that. And then he goes on, he finishes, and he says, and all those who have this hope purify themselves. It's the same thing Paul's talking about. Hey, when the perfect comes, we're going, to, we're going to live in his kingdom of love. We're going to be loving like he loves. Let's start now. Let's learn to love. Let's start on that commandment. Let's learn to love like Jesus loved because love is the highest imitation of Jesus because God is love. All that to say, here we go. Are you ready? How many of you? Well, no, I won't even do it that way. Um, the imitation of his love, what Paul's saying in this verse, when he, in verse 11, when he's talking about maturity, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, but I grew up. Again, remember, he's talking in the context of love. So he's saying love, the imitation of Christ's love, is the measure of spiritual maturity. Not how gifted you are, not how eloquent you are, not how intelligent you are, Right? Isn't that wild? But that's what Paul's saying. He's saying when we grow up, it'll be in love. Love is the measure of spiritual maturity. Ephesians 4. We looked at Ephesians 4 last week a little bit also. We are talking about the power gifts. And it's talking about the church coming together in unity. Verse 15, it says, We grow up or mature into the head who is Christ by doing what? Anyone remember? Speaking the truth in love. Let's underline that last part. Some of us uh, only speak the truth. I would suggest to you, coming back to 1 Corinthians 13, speaking the truth without the love part is a clanging symbol. It's annoying. We grow up by learning to speak the truth in love to one another. We grow up by maturing in learning to love. This is the measure of our maturity in Christ, not our spiritual gifts. Uh, I, I, I remember a dream. I think, I, honestly, I don't know. Uh, Paul Kane, how many of you uh, know who Paul Kane, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was Bob Jones. It was Bob Jones. Yeah, how many of you know who Bob Jones was? Okay, good. So he's a super prophetic guy to where he doesn't just get things. He has angels show up and talk to him. He has experiences. He has dreams. He goes and visits heaven. Weird stuff, right? Uh, very prophetic. So, I don't know if this was a dream or a vision or a visit, but he's he's in heaven. Was it when he died? And then, he, oh, he died and he came back. So, who knows what that is. Uh, he's there, but he's back. Anyway, while he was there, he sees a line of people and they're coming one at a time before Jesus and Jesus is asking each one of them a question. I'll tell you the question in a minute. Um, but uh, I'm thinking, because when I hear this story, I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder what the question is. Did you, did you, did you do good works? Well, I, I, I think I can handle that question. I think I can say, yeah, I get, did some stuff for you, God. Uh, did, you, did you believe my word? Uh, yeah, I studied it. I really tried to be, uh, you know, look at it with integrity and uh, all that good stuff. But those weren't any of the questions he'd ask him. Each person, the same question. They came up and all God said was, did you learn to love? And I went, and when uh, Bob Jones was telling that story, I'm going, ow. 
I don't know how I'll do with that question. Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Maybe that's why we're here. Maybe God is so interested in us learning to love, he put annoying people right next to you. (laughs) So that you can practice choosing to be patient and kind and all those things that are love. Yeah? Could happen. And they will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. How's the church at large doing with that, you think? Nah, probably not a great grade. We can do better, can't we? Guys, my whole goal this morning is just for you to uh, be encouraged. One, that we can learn to love like Jesus, uh, but that we, we have to decide to. We have to engage in the school of love for the rest of our lives because we're going to live in eternity in a kingdom that is all about love. Amen? All right, who's with me? Good. All right, I'm in the right place. Let's have the band up. we got a few more minutes. Uh, I'd like to just, let's just go back into worship. We've already been enjoying God, uh, but let's specifically ask for help with this. Amen? Maybe a greater revelation of the width and length and depth and height of His love that passes knowledge so that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Maybe you're realizing, God, I've been pursuing faith. I've been pursuing my gifts, but I've I've just been looking at the gifts, not about how to love people with them, and I need a better perspective on that. Uh, Whatever you need, let's uh, let's stand, let's pray, and we'll worship a little bit, and then we'll go home and eat lunch, and you can go home and and watch a spy show. Lord, we do love you. We love the way you love. It always impresses us, and it it feels so far out of reach. And yet, little by little, just these small decisions, we we can be like you. God, it counts if we can love outwardly, even in our hearts, if our hearts aren't right. Or you can change our hearts. You can bring us around. Lord, I just pray you would set us all on a trajectory to learn to love like you love. Lord, I don't care if I'm there tomorrow. I just want to be better at it as time goes on. And Lord, I know part of that is a revelation of your love for us. We love you because you first loved us. We love others because we see how you love. Lord, show us how you love. Show us Show us how you love us. Yes, Jesus. Give us a greater revelation of the love of Christ. We want to be rooted and grounded in your love. Yes. Lord, right now, this morning, as we go back into worship, just asking for everyone here for a fresh revelation of your love for us, of your love for the Son, and that they're the same. That is amazing. That as the Father has loved you, you have loved us. Yes. Show us more about that.